Welcome to Living Life as a Visual Thinker. I'm Betty Fetter, and I want to share what it means to be a visual thinker. We'll find out how it affects us at school and on the job, and we'll share success stories from visual thinkers, young and old. Hi, thanks for joining me today. You know, today I wanted to share some feedback I got from a parent and You know, I love it when parents are reading the blog or watching our videos or listening to our podcast and will write in and, you know, share their thoughts. And, you know, my email address is Betty, B-E-T-T-E, at BettyFetter.com. And so I love it. Share. Tell me what you're thinking. Uh, So today I have an email I got from a parent, Melissa, and Melissa has an eight-year-old. And her experience at school, I think, is not, sadly, is not um, unusual for visual learners. And so I I wanted to share her thoughts because she has some very insightful um, questions. She asked the school herself and and, kind of share some, you know, math ideas on where we're going in in facing that same situation. So this is uh, Melissa's email. Hello. I'm a parent of a beautiful eight-year-old girl who this past second grade year has struggled through her academics, specifically in math. They wanted to hold her back, but having, after having her tested for a learning disability and talking about her results with the school psychologist and special education teacher, it seemed their findings were she just needed more time to process things. They concluded she was a visual, tactile learner. But my question in our meeting was, well, how does that help her in a learning environment that does not encourage such learning styles or provide the time she needs? They didn't have an answer for me. I decided to move her on in hopes of working with her over the summer. But I wanted to thank you for being the voice of many of us parents do not hear in the education system. My daughter's passion is art. She thinks about drawing nonstop and can spend hours doing art. Unfortunately, she doesn't get to express that part of her creative mind at school and is not tested with that side of her brain. It's so frustrating as a parent to have this one way of learning for your child placed on them but it's also refreshing to come across websites and podcasts like yours that give us parents hope that our kids can succeed if given the opportunity to express their strengths. Thank you. A grateful parent. I was so moved when I read that because it so reflects kind of just really why I'm doing what I'm doing, but I think why so many parents that, you know, you see your child and they are absolutely perfect. They're delightful. You see their strengths. And then to put them in a system or any place that they are that doesn't get them, like they don't recognize them and they're they're not going to give them that credit or that there's not a place to shine for who they are. 
that's criminal. I mean, that's just wrong. And then the tough part about this is this sweet thing, this is second grade. She's got a lot of years ahead of her. Now, the good news is she has a parents who get it and who recognize who she is. And I am so impressed with how articulate Melissa. I, you know, I am actually really impressed that the school that the school understood that she's a visual tactile learner, and then it was about her processing time. Good, I'm good. I'm glad they got that. But disappointing that they don't have an education plan, or I think it's called IEPs, an independent education plan, where they could make some adjustments or some accommodations for that. Um, I haven't talked to Melissa to find out how it went over summer. This was from June that she wrote. But I love your dedication to you're going to figure it out and figure out what she needs and you're going to get her there. And it is insulting to think you're going to hold back an entire year of a child's life and self-esteem and consideration of who they are because you as a system can't figure out how to give her a little bit more time. I wanted to speak specifically, too, on math. So it's interesting that it was second grade and it's math. And my grandson just started second grade. And, you know, I was going to say freshman year, first grade, we spent a lot of extra time with our visual learner doing writing, you know, handwriting, writing, as in like his journal and things, and reading sight words and kind of really giving him some extra work there. But as we started second grade, this is the year of math. So I have no idea if it's for the same reasons, but what in his particular school, he's in a new school this year, they are doing a common core math curriculum. It's called Eureka Math. And, you know, I think there's a I'm not a fan of Common Core and all the tests that come with Common Core. And I'm not a fan of the amount of testing and the way they roll this out. But in the long run, there's a tremendous value to this kind of math because it really is math for visual learners. And it really is about looking at math from a different viewpoint or looking at math in more groupings and it's when I see it I think oh that's how I do math in my head but they don't teach it that way in school so I think there's a lot of exciting potential here for visual learners in doing math this way but the amount of testing and the way they're gonna just discourage the heck out of you before you ever get to learning it is you know, once again, we went to the left brain to figure out how to teach something that is happening in the right side of the brain. Or we're going in the right side of the brain, we're teaching it, but then we're going to find out if we're doing it by testing the left side of our brain. So so there's some implementation issues. But one of the things that I also noticed with our grandson, and I don't know, Melissa, if this is the same thing, but I noticed he is missing kind of a visual imprint in his mind for two and two and two and four and six and three and nine and two. I know for me, I always see 
dots or numbers or, you know, I see something, which is what I'm remembering as a visual person. So I've kind of figured out that's what he's missing. And then the rest of the processing will go much quicker because it's a much more conceptual kind of math. And I just want to encourage anybody, if you're looking for help, so, you know, we decided, you know, we can do some things at home, but I thought, okay, let's see what other kinds of tutoring services, you know, his mom is busy and, um, you know, she's working, she has another child, she has a lot happening. And so what other help might be out there? So we actually, um, I called a few different like learning centers or tutoring um, organizations, different, most of them are franchises. And I called a few different ones to find out what I thought would be a fit for him. And I just want, I'm not going to name any names, but just to give you some thoughts and when you're looking. So for one of them, it was interesting because they actually said, oh, we give him worksheets. We'll give him worksheets here to do. And then when we'll give you worksheets for him to do at home. There's a big red flag. Do not take your visual child someplace that they're going to give them a bunch more worksheets. Part of the problem with math at school is it is so many worksheets. And visual kids need it to be more conceptual. They need it to be more visual. They need it to be manipulative, hands-on, something they can be involved in. Especially when you're learning a new concept or you're learning a new... um, way of doing it It, with a visual kid you want that to be tactile first visual kids learn through their hands you know your daughter is a uh, visual tactile learner she needs to see it and she needs to touch it she needs to actually interact with the concept with the activity once they do that then when they really understand it visually and tactfully, tactily, they move on to worksheets where then they're practicing it. But the initial learning has to be hands-on and real. So we just checked that place right off, you know, scratch that off the list. There was a couple of places I called that were like that. You know, I found one place that, you know, I went actually to this one organization and I was pretty interested. I walked in and they had the space divided into all these little smaller kind of workspaces, a few tables per space. And I thought, okay, they kind of understand. You need to, you know, give kids a little bit kind of separate, not one-on-one, but I mean, a few smaller spaces in order for them to focus. Visual kids need some quiet and less distractions. But what I loved the most was the amount of manipulatives I saw. There were just bags and boxes and arrangements that I could see. They had tools to let the kids touch them, feel them, move them, act out the problem, you know, lay out the problem, lay, learn it visually and tactily. Then they did also do worksheets and it was very independent kinds of learning plans based on where the child is and what they need. So I thought, oh, this is some really good points here. So I felt very encouraged, but it's a pricey proposition, but okay, if we, we could get a foundation. 
Well, that particular location was a little bit further away from us. So I went to the same organization and I went to the location that was a little bit closer to our house or to his house. And I thought right away when I walked in, nope, this is not going to work. It was a wide open space, very nice, very attractive, very friendly owner, you know, just really nice guy. But the space wide open, all these tables and, you know, the little bell is ringing when someone wins a prize and you can see everybody coming in the door. And I just thought in for my experience with the visual learner we have, there is no way he's going to be able to focus in this space. And I didn't see very many manipulatives. And in asking about it, they said, well, you know, we've got some. We share them between the two locations. And I thought, doesn't quite understand the value of the manipulatives. They're not an, they're not a necessity there. They're like, well, we kind of have them. Now, again, absolutely lovely people, just lovely people. But there was a difference between we have a program that our corporate group developed and I'm going to run the program versus I understand how kids learn math. And so I'm going to use the program, but I'm going to really go with where your kid is and see what they need. So we just really struggled over that commitment of distance. And, and was I really, you know, was it really, was I imagining the differences more extremely than they were? So as we talked through it, we did agree that setup was not good for him. He, he went in there even for a visit and for an assessment. Oh my gosh, he was so distracted. And so even between us all, we agreed that this other location was a better fit because of the physical arrangement of the space. But wow, I like the director so much because he knows he's got to adapt. He knows hands-on, use it, tactile, visual before we get to worksheets. So we haven't, we haven't started yet. We'll be starting soon. And I may come back and three weeks into it and say, oh my God, that was a bust too. But just um, when, if you are looking for outside help, be careful that you're not just doing more of the same thing that they're frustrated with at school. Be careful that they really will see who your child is, but they're a good bridge into what they do need to know how to do at school. So you kind of want to get where's their understanding of your visual learner. What would they do in, you know, with Melissa's case, what would they do with her eight-year-old who needs more time to process? What's that, you know, what's that about to them? And kind of gauging, you know, what are they going to do? Someone's going to run the party line and, oh, we have a program for visual learners. You know what? Let me know how much you really get what that's about. So at home, there are things you can do at home. You, there are so many math apps on the, um, on your iPad or your, and there's just great, I, but you have to choose carefully through those two of which ones. And, and, you know, this is an ongoing dialogue on the blog and, and the stories or things that we have there. So keep in touch over there at bettyfetter.com and we'll talk about it here in the podcast and we'll talk about it over there. And 
I would love to hear anything, any what you've had that is working for you, or if you found a certain program organization, please send me an email, and I'd love to share it with um, other people. So, again, thank you, Melissa, for being so articulate and for saying what so many of us are feeling, the disappointment of our kids not getting recognized for all those things that they are really good at. So I hope your child is in art class and has lots of times of enjoying who she is and she'll find more and more success in the classroom, especially having a mom who's paying that much attention and um, is going to do what it takes to have her be successful. So, well, thank you, everybody. And we will talk again soon. And I really appreciate it. I'd love to hear from you. So have a great day. Bye-bye.